In the following live session recording, Alan Smith, pastor of marketing and creative arts with Calvary Baptist Church in Columbus, Georgia, leads the session entitled, Good Design Matters, Design Like a Pro. Good graphic design makes the difference in whether someone engages with your content or keeps scrolling. This workshop will look at how to use Canva, a free web-based application, to create compelling graphics for screens, social media, and print. Our goal should be to create compelling designs to communicate the gospel. Let's join Alan now. Um, so my name is Alan Smith. I am the Creative Arts Pastor at Calvary Baptist Church in Columbus, Georgia. Um, you can find me on just about any of the social media platforms at, at Media317, um, or you can also find me on Design Arrival Con. Um, and I have taken my notes that I'm going to do today, and I have posted them on our website. So if you hit calvaryga.com slash gogeorgia19, it will pop up the PDF version of my notes today. So you can grab those whenever you would like. Um, download them if you would like. Burn them if you like. Whatever you want to do. They're available for you at that URL. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is the idea of design. Talk about some basics of design why we should do good design, why good design matters for the church, why we should be thinking about good design for the church, and then we'll spend a few minutes using Canva near the kind of the second half of our time today. I'll show you how to, today I'll show you how to use Canva to kind of create some graphics, and uh, it's a free application that works on any web browser and is a fantastic little tool. So, why design matters, I think it's always important to start theological before we get into the application. So let me give you a little theology as to why I think good design matters, all right? And especially um, for the church. So I, we believe and we hold to the idea from Genesis 1 that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. We bear God's image. And the first verb in scripture that describes God's action is created. God, in the beginning, God created. Now, it's a different kind of word than what you and I would be able to create, bara versus asah. It's a whole wonderful theological study you can get into. But the point being, God is a creator. He is a creative. He is a designer. And by virtue of he creating us in his image, we bear some of that attribute, part of the communicable versus incommunicable attributes of God. We bear some of that. So when we see in, uh, at the end of Genesis where he created us in his image, we have part of that aspect of creativity. Now, I personally believe that everyone is creative. Some people happen to be creative with pixels and pencils and graphics. Others happen to be highly creative with numbers or spreadsheets or whatever. But we're all creative because that's part of how we're made. And since that's part of how we're made, I believe it is important for us to be creative. And uh, John Piper says that if you are God, your work is to create out of nothing, ex nihilo, right? If you are not God, but like God, i.e. bear the image of God, that is you are human, your work is to take what God has made and shape it and use it to make him look great. <coughs> so it is important, I think, that when we think about church world, that we need to understand who we are and the God that we serve. God is a creator. God is creative. God is a designer. We are creative. 
We should design, and we should design well. So the role of the creative, I believe, in church is to help enhance worship and remove distractions. That is our job. Enhance worship and remove distractions. The role of the creative should be to be unknown. You should not know, right? But my inspiration from this, I, one of my heroes of the Bible is a man named Bezalel, which a lot of people don't even know this guy. He's only mentioned a couple times in Scripture. But to me, he's a hero. Exodus chapter 31 says that the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and craftsmanship, to devise artistic design, to work with gold and silver and bronze and cutting of stones and setting in them and carving the wood for every craft. And here's what inspires me as a creative. When God says, all right, Moses, it's time to build the tabernacle. He did not say, go find an engineer. He didn't say, go build it, go get a committee. He didn't say, go um, grab your, your top leader business guys. He said, I've got a guy who's a designer, and I want you to use him. And the worship space, the tabernacle that was built, was constructed by craftsmen who were designers, who were filled with the Spirit to do artistic design. And when you, if you kind of study throughout the Scriptures, we'll see when, when Solomon finally builds the tabernacle, Bezalel is mentioned again as some of the pieces of work, some of the things that he crafted in the wilderness while they're building the tabernacle are still pieces of furniture that they use in the tabernacle. I mean in the temple. We have a role as creatives in the worship experience. And when the creatives are exercising their gifts and exercising their talents and exercising the thing that God has gifted them with in meaningful ways for worship, it enhances the worship experience and it removes distractions. So I think it's important theologically that we understand the role of creative and why we need to use creative arts in the worship experience. Now, the other thing I think is important to understand is that creative arts impacts us very differently. Um, it connects us to the soul. That's why, we, that's why art is so important. Um, that's why the creative arts in general cause people to cry. And they tug at your heartstrings. They make you feel things. Pieces of works of art evoke enormous amounts of emotion. And they're intended to that because we're built that way. And the creative arts, when done well, can help in that as well, in the worship experience. I think they motivate us, they inspire us, they evoke change. Matter of fact, if you will study history, as far back as the Reformation, and you look at all major like events that changed history, almost without exception, catalyst of history changed took place when people began to implement graphic design to communicate their ideas. And it, because it began to evoke emotion, it began to evoke feeling, it began to add punch to decisions. Luther, he was designed amazingly well in the Reformation. And I believe that if Luther did not evoke design, the Reformation and the future of print may not have gone as successfully as it had. 
but his his Bibles were designed incredibly well. They had print, they had pictures, graphics embedded in the print that was revolutionary. If you look at almost every major event throughout history, art and design help move it along. And I think that's important when it comes to worship. It communicates ideas. It's the difference between verbal and non-verbal communication. Good design communicates. Bad design communicates as well. But what we want is to communicate well. Nonverbal, we're going to talk a little bit more about nonverbal versus verbal communication. And I, I talked with um, some pastors, it's been months ago now, and I was trying to help them understand why they need to pay attention to design in their church. Right? That's not, I don't want to do that. And I said, no, you spend hours preparing for your sermon. You study. You break out commentary. You're studying Greek and Hebrew. You spend hours. And then from that study, you construct a sermon. And you get up on Sunday morning. And with the most eloquent way you can through verbal communication, you preach. And then you hand your transcript to someone and say, can you put that online? Without any thought to how it looks. Your nonverbal communication, how that looks when it goes in print, how that looks when it goes on social media, should be equally important as your verbal communication. Because they're communicating. Right? So good design communicates well. Bad design communicates too. Bad design says what I'm trying to tell you doesn't really matter. And it's not important. So, what we want to look at today is good design why good design matters, and we'll look at some examples. But what I want to talk about first are some rules, right? Um, rules are meant to be bent, and rules are meant to be broken, right? I like bending and breaking them. However, it is important that we understand the rules so that we know how to bend them, why to bend them, why to break them, okay? So, <clears throat> we're going to talk about some design principles. First, <clears throat> the gospel... According to Paul in Corinthians, the gospel is foolishness and it is a stumbling block. 1 Corinthians 1 says, For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the world, believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jew asks for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. And that is a stumbling block to the Jews and it is foolishness to the Gentiles. Here's the gospel, by its very nature, the very essence of the gospel, is an offense and it is a stumbling block. Why in the world would we add stumbling blocks and offenses to the gospel with the quality of the designs that we create? That becomes a barrier. Why add additional barriers to the gospel? If the gospel itself is an offense... And if the gospel itself is a barrier, the designs that we create do not need to add to that barrier and that objection. So good design matters. We need to create things that are beautiful and well thought out. 2015, Adobe created a report from a series of research they conducted called the Adobe State of Content Report. You can Google it, Adobe State of Content Report. 2015. Now here's a couple points to contemplate. <clears throat> According to the Adobe research, time, millennials specifically in this particular graphic, they will not spend time, if 
looking at your graphics if they don't look good. In other words, if it doesn't appeal to them visually, they're going to go to something else. Now, you and I have the greatest message ever. We have the hope of the gospel. And if they look at a graphic, or our website, or our bulletin, or anything that we create, they're going to make a judgment, and if it doesn't look good, they're going to skip over it. All right? So if we create things that don't look good, if they're not designed well, people don't even have the opportunity to engage with the gospel. So it is important. Part of the study also said that when they, specifically millennials in this particular study, when they are going to look at things, they're going to significantly prioritize things that, are, that will display well on their device and that look good on their device. So if they're holding on a t- on their phone and your website is really small, they got to pinch in just to look at it, they're just going to skip right over it. They're going to back button and go somewhere else. Now that, that the gospel, not even going to get to see it because they could not engage with what you designed because it was not interesting to them, appealing to them visually. 73% of the participants in the study said that if the content is unattractive, they're not going to engage with it. If it's not attractive, if it's not designed well, 73% are going to switch devices, switch screens, they're going to completely get, they're not going to engage with it. Now, as far as I'm concerned, for the church, that's a problem. Because if we are going to be able to effectively communicate the gospel, to share the gospel, to present the gospel, then we have to get through the initial visual barriers. Okay? If they're going to find us online, if they're going to engage with us on social media, then the things that we put out, the things that we display, need to be designed well, or they're never even going to read or look at what we've tried to communicate. It matters. Good design matters. Okay? Does it make sense? So let's look at some of the basics. These are a handful of fundamental, basic rules of graphic design. Okay? First, good design communicates. It is a nonverbal form of communication. It evokes emotion. It evokes response. It causes people to get angry. It causes people to get sad. It causes people to cry. It causes people to laugh. It's a nonverbal form of communication. And nonverbal communication is just as important as verbal communication if you're trying to communicate to someone. You may have the most eloquent words and just don't have any of the excited actions and nonverbal, and it just falls flat. You can have something that is just terrible. You can read the dictionary, and if you can read it well with animation, excitement, your nonverbals can probably... Good design is about communication. So here we go. Symmetry versus asymmetry. Now when you design, I, personal, this is a personal preference here, I like things that have symmetry to them. Um, humans are symmetrical, like we have two eyes and two, there, most, most things that live in nature are symmetrical, 
most things, whether it be bilateral symmetry or radial symmetry. There, there's a symmetry to nature, right? But the thing about symmetry is that it's balanced. You know, there's a balance to it. It feels like things are, are weighted well, right? It don't feel like it's going to fall over. Um, and it's very common. Things that are asymmetrical tend to be out of balance, but things that are asymmetrical tend to evoke a sense of energy, a sense of movement. Okay, so when we're designing, we need to think, does this need to be asymmetrical or symmetrical? How should we sort of lay it? What's the general feeling we're trying to communicate? Right? So symmetry is important. The grid. Now, this is a, um, not using a grid is a classical, classic telltale of an amateur designer. And here's what the grid does. The grid is a series of columns, and you would also have rows, that allow you to align things and put things in place on your layout in such a way that things stay aligned and in proper order. You should always use a grid. Now, it can be imaginary to you, right? You can kind of lay it in yourself. As a general thumb, a 12-column grid is the best because 12 is divisible by 2, by 3, by 4, by 6. By, right, you can divide it by a lot of things. So you can lay things out across the grid. You can look. A grid is important. And we get to Canva in a little while. I'll show you some very basic grid layouts that you can design with. But when you're designing, you need to think about the grid. What's the layout? How is it going to be structured in columns and in rows? Print has a particular rules. Social has a particular rules. Web has a, like in the web world, it's typically the 900, 960 pixel grid. They've, a lot of them have moved now to like an 1140 grid. But it's a grid structure. Things are structured in columns and they lay in here intentionally. Right? So a grid is important when you're putting things together. It provides structure, it provides consistency. It ensures that things that are lined up, lined up correctly. And now you can break the grid, and that's okay, but understand the grid structure. Uh, visual hierarchy. This is one that I think is hyper-important, and most people don't really even realize or pay attention to it. Hierarchy is important. Hierarchy basically is the idea that the most important thing that's being communicated is, in, is the biggest font, it's the biggest piece of information, and then the second thing is the sticks. It just keeps getting smaller and smaller. As a general rule of thumb, again, rules are meant to be broken, right? As a general rule of thumb, if you're creating a social media graphic um, or something, a slide for your worship service, a slide for the screens, um, or something that's going to go, say, in print, like a, an advertisement about an event, as a general rule of thumb, you want to keep yourself to a hierarchy of three. Headline one, headline two, headline three. That's it. Now you can break that rule, but as, as a general rule of thumb, keep your hierarchy to three items. Now, if it's on a blog post or something like this, your hierarchy may be a little different. You have a header, big thing that's the title, and then you got these subtitles and your body paragraph. Uh, if you're a business card, you may have five or six things. Right? But at the end of the day, you want to think about the hierarchy. How are things supposed to be structured? It helps provide visual clues as to what is important and what do I want you to look at first. Right? So hierarchy is important. So think about hierarchy. Fonts. 
fonts matter. Now, I, I like fonts. I like talking about fonts. I could talk a lot about fonts. So we'll abbreviate font discussion. Here's the general font. Only use two, maybe three fonts on anything you create. So if you're a worship guide, two fonts, maybe three, right? Two fonts. Your bulletin, two fonts, maybe three, right? If you're doing something for graphics on social media, two fonts, right? Now, I even go so far as to re recommend one font family. Now, within a family, you can have really thin line, you can have bold line, you can have some that are serif versus sans serif, but it's the same basic family of font, and they all look like they go together, right? Fonts communicate, right? Like, if you're doing something that's very... Like very professional, it needs to be something that's going to go in front of your, your pastors or your executives of your church, maybe a board or whatever, your elders. You wouldn't want to use like Comic Sans or, <laughs> right, because it doesn't fit, right? Fonts communicate. Some fonts tend to be a little bit more professional. Some fonts tend to be a little more whimsy. Some fonts tend to be a little more playful. Sometimes they're scripted, right? But you really want to make sure that your font choices match what you're trying to say. And I'm just going to say this. There's never a reason to use papyrus, and there's never a reason to use Comic Sans. It just really isn't. There's a whole bunch of them. I got a list of them in our office that we have hanging it up. That's like if you can't use these, every now and then the youth pastor will try to throw one in. We throw it out. We like they can't do it. You can't use these fonts, right? And there's a lot of fonts that we say you can't use now, not because there's anything inherently wrong with the font. It's just everybody uses it. Like Times New Roman. Like if you're going to create something. You know, every like that's like an email font. Like, so use something a little more interesting. You have access to fonts. Don't get stuck. Don't don't Arial. Like Arial. Every so if you're going to design a little graphic for something and you have the ability to design it interestingly, use some fonts that. <clears throat> now, if you want some good access to really good fonts, Google Fonts. Right. There's a, Google has a whole bunch of fonts. They're free. You can use them. A lot of them are really, really good. Use those. You know, you can download them to your computer. You can install them. You can use them from the web. They're fantastic. And it gives you access to a whole bunch of fonts. But stay with two fonts, maybe three, depending on the situation. Stay within family so they kind of look like they go together. And think about the audience. If it's, a, if it's professional, use something that has a nice professional face to it. Don't use something that looks kind of wackadoodle, because it, it just becomes wackadoodle at that point. Um, embrace the white space. Let, let the graphic breathe. You don't have to fill the whole document. Okay, you don't. Let it breathe. Right, this is a good, you got, you got one title, right, so we've got our high headline and our secondary, right, we've got just big, whatever's going to be in the middle, and there's plenty of room for the eye to wonder, right, I want you to look here, because that's the biggest thing, and then maybe here, and then here, right, and so I've let there be plenty of room, right, embrace the white space, embrace 
that space on the graphic. You don't have to fill it up. It's like, ooh, let's put something here, and ooh, we can put something here, and we don't have, we don't have to. Just let there be room. Edit, 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 edit. Does it have to be there? Then take it away. Edit, edit, edit. Plenty of room, right? Don't make your graphics feel like they're hyper, hyper congested. Give them some white space. Breathing room. All right, here's the thing you need to understand if you're going to be doing something um, for web or screens versus print. All right, print and screens display content at different resolutions. Right? So a, a display, no matter how big it is, is a 72 DPI graphic. Now, DPI means dots per inch. There's a whole wonderful thing we could talk about, but here's the deal. What you need to know is when you're creating graphics, if it's going on Instagram or Facebook or your screens in your worship center, when you create them, they need to be at least 72 DPI or they'll look like this. It'll be very pixelated. If it's going to be for print, your worship guide, your bulletin, something you're going to put on a t-shirt or a hat, uh, something you're going to put out as a mailer. 300 DPI or it's going to look like pixelated. It's going to be very fuzzy and it won't be crisp and sharp. All right? So you need to understand the two. Print 300 DPI, display, screen, anything that's a screen, 72 DPI. Minimum. Those are ideal. You know, with these high-res displays that have multiple double pixels, you really cannot have, should be at 150 DPI, but 72 is fine. And also the difference between raster versus vector, okay? A vector image is a graphic that is based on coordinates. So it has a point here and a point here and a point here and it draws a line accordingly. And you can scale that up and down because all you're changing is the position of those dots in space and the graphic stays really clean. Sharp edges, it looks really good. A rastered image is literally pixels on a screen. And when you fill in that pixel and you try to scale it up, those pixels are just getting bigger and they start getting fuzzy. You start getting this stuff. All right? If you can, create vector. If you can't, create really high-res raster. Okay? Because if it's really high-res raster image and you scale it, then it should be okay. There's a general rule of thumb. Vector is best. Raster will work, but when you use a rastered image, just understand that you're going to have limits with what you can scale it up to. Examples of vector would be a file, a graphic that ends in a .ai or a .eps. Examples of, of rastered image are .jpeg, .tiff, .png, uh, .gif or gif, depending upon where you're from, right? And they're fixed. You, you scale them up, things start get looking blurry. Right? So you want to understand the resolution of your graphics. Print should always be 300 DPI and vector. Always. Alright, does that make sense? So those are some rules. So now that we've looked at some rules, let's design something with Canva. Alright, let me show you how Canva works. And we can create something. So here's our Here's our thing. So let's imagine, for example, we have a student ministry winter retreat coming up. Right? 
And so this is all the information we've been given from our pastor, our youth pastor, right? And we're going to Snowbird Wilderness. Anybody know where Snowbird is? Anybody been to Snowbird? Fantastic. I've not personally been there, but we, our kids go all the time. Snowbird Wilderness Outfit. They can go skiing December 29th through the 1st. Some middle school, high school students. They've got to register or they can't go. It costs them $150. They leave the parking lot on December 29th at 1. Right? So this is all the information. Right? We've got all these details that we have about this trip. Now, we need to do some editing before we create a graphic. We need to know what is the most important piece of information, what's the second most important piece of information, and what's the third most important piece of information. What's the most important piece of information? The date. Okay, I got the date and I've got what? Winter retreat. Winter retreat. Okay, so a couple different options. So let me ask you to think about something. If you're sitting in the worship center, right, or in your church, and you've got screens, and something flashes upon the screen, what do you really want to know when you see that graphic? Is it for me? Do I need to care? Does this have anything to do with my world? Because if it doesn't, I'm not looking. Right? First thing I need to know is who is this for? So of this information, what's the most important piece of information? Student ministry retreat. I need you to know, if you have a child in the student ministry, this information is for you. I want that screaming loud. Student ministry. Right? What's the second most important thing? The date. This is the date? Where? Where? All right, so we have some discrepancy there, right? What would be the third? Either the date or the where? Yeah. Cost. All right, here's, here's what I've... So those are the things that I have said are the most important. It's got to, it's got to capture me that I... Okay, I've got a kid. Oh, oh, student ministry. I knew what was going on. What's this? Oh, it's December 20th. We can't go. we got something happening that weekend. It's going to cost me 150 bucks. Eh, you slap out of luck, fella. Sorry. Right? I need to know. These, these are things that I think are most important. Well, that's if you're the parent. What if you're the kid? If I'm a kid. Okay, great question. So if I do this and this is going to be shown up in the student ministry, like this is going to show up, I'm going to make this for my kids. What would be the, how would we structure this? If this is going to be something for my students to be aware of. Okay, so maybe this is the next thing, right? It's, hey, we're going on a retreat, and this is where we're going. And then who? All right, so now, so you under, what we're doing is we're, we're looking at creating something for an audience. If we're going to put this in the worship center for parents, I may have a different need of information than if I'm going to put it in the room with my students. Right? So that's a great question. That's a great point. So what we need to do as part of master designers that we are is we have to understand our audience so that we can effectively communicate. Who are we communicating to? What do we want to communicate? And we need to edit. Edit, edit, edit. If we don't need it, get rid of it. Alright? Make sense? So what we want to do is we're going to assume we're creating a graphic for our worship that our parents are going to get some information about, and we're going to use Canva to create a graphic 
about our student ministry winter retreat that's going on these dates and they need to register. Okay? Now, is there other information that's important? Yeah, but not for that. But not for that slide, right? So here's the other thing. Here's the last thing about designing graphics. Never feel the need to put everything on the graphic. Get the beak wet. Get them interested. Ooh, this is for me. Ooh, I want more information. And then tell them where to go. You can get more information on the website. MyChurchWebsite.com slash trip. Or there's more information in the lobby at Guest Services or at our Information Center. Go there and you get all the other information. Right? This is simply intended to say, here's a thing. It's for you. If you want more information, go here. Got it? Okay. So let's open Canva and let's see what we can do in Canva. Alright, here's Canva. How many of you have ever used Canva before? Alright, I mean, how many of you have never used Canva before? Oh, wonderful. Okay, so the first thing we're going to do is just do a little introduction to Canva. Okay? Canva is a free application. It is a web-based application, which means you can use it from any computer, Windows or Mac. You can use it from any device, as long as you've got a web browser. There's a Canva app. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on your tablet. Right? You can use it from any device, and it's free to use. And it's very warm in here. All right? Oh, look at there. I'll talk over it. Will it mess the sound up? Yeah. Okay. Then we'll survive. I will survive. Is that okay? Let me turn on. Let's see what happens here. All right. We good? There. A little airflow. Alrighty. Alright, so I want to introduce you to Canva. Canva is a great application. It's free to use. You can create a variety of graphics within Canva. You can create things for web, social media, Facebook, Instagram, stories, etc. You can create things for print. You could start, you could actually create your bulletin or a worship guide or something of nature, a, a, um, a flyer, a, a, a trifold brochure. All of these kinds of things you can create in Canva. Now, there is a paid version of Canva. I think it's in the neighborhood of $12 a month, something of that nature. It gives you access to a lot more stuff. It allows you to create style guides for your church. It allows you to share information with other people that are part of your group. And allegedly, I say allegedly because I've tried twice yet now and have not been successful. Allegedly, if you're a nonprofit, if you're a church, you can apply for Canva's nonprofit status and you can get their paid thing at no cost to you. You've, you're successful, successful with that, Linda? So I've tried it twice now and have gotten zero replies from, from Canva, not even an email saying no. I mean, it's just so, but apparently people are successful. So if you like it after you've used it, I would explore getting Canva for free because then your entire church has access to it, or at least the people that you put into your account, okay? 
So from Canva, we create a design, and in this create a design window, we can create a presentation. So like for example, if you need to do PowerPoint, keynote type slideshows, you can create a slideshow and run it out of Canva. You can do posters, you can do Instagram, social media, print, paper, flyers, you can do all kinds of stuff. Okay, for what we're trying to do today, we're wanting to create an announcement slide. Right, something that's maybe a 16 by 9 ratio, right? Something that'll go on a big screen. So we're gonna do, we're just gonna go up here to presentation, and we're gonna create a, a presentation graphic. Alright, that's gonna be widescreen, it'll work great on our on our displays in our worship center, it'll work great on our TVs and our youth room, wherever they happen to be. Okay? Now, down the left panel here are some tabs. The first one is a tab for templates. Now Canva comes with a variety of pre-built, pre-defined templates. And if you like one, you go, ooh, I like that one. And when you click it, it gives you all the various layouts of that template. And if you go, ooh, I really like this one, you click it and it'll populate. Alright, so you've got a lot of templates that you can pick from. Some templates are free. Some templates require you to be a paid person. And then some templates are, are sort of like, if I design something, I want to upload it to Canva and make it available for you to purchase, it's like a one-time deal. But there's some purchasing options that come into Canva. The second tab here are photos. Now Canva comes with a pre-built library of lots and lots of images that are high quality, good graphics. They're photographs. They're different types of photos that you can have access to. Right? And you can search. So let's say we're doing something for ski trip on our beach trip. And look at these, you got these pictures these that are part of Canva. And you're like, hey, I like that one. You can click it, it'll pop it into your, to your window here. And you can scale it to fit. And that is a photograph, which means it's a 300 DPI or higher, which will look great in print, look great on your screens, etc. Alright, so you have photos. The next thing you have here are different elements. And within the elements, there's lots of different subcategories. So for example, you can look at a grid. We'll come back to grid because grids are important. All right, so it has some pre-built grids. You've got charts and frames and shapes, lots of different things already built in that you can just drag and drop. So let's say you want to put some shapes on the screen. Maybe I like this little guy here that's got a frame. I'm going to put this, right, you just click and it populates directly onto the panel. All right, so we have shapes. Text. Now, <clears throat> Canva comes pre-built with a lot of fonts. But they also come pre-built with certain font pairs already paired together. These fonts work well together, right? And, there's a, and if you'll notice, they're already structured in hierarchy. Header 1, header 2, header 3, right? So let's say, hey, I kind of like this thing, right? You pick a graphic, it pops it in. you got a headline and a subheadline, right? Or maybe you need something that's got a little bit more information. You go, say, or maybe you can do a quote from your pastor, and you pull this in, right? And it's already kind of structured for you. It kind of takes some of the guesswork out of, can I use that font? Should I use this font? What am I? It already has some structure to it. It gets, it has the headline. It's got your taglines or your tail um, for you to use, right? So maybe you want something like this coming up for Valentine's Day in a couple of months, right? You got whatever. It's got some stuff built in into your fonts. But you also can just add your headline, subheadline, or topic if you want to do that. It also comes with a Selection of backgrounds, just lots of different background textures, background colors, background styles that you can just simply click and adds directly to your to your graphic. Okay. It also has a place where you can upload 
graphics. So if your church creates something, they have their logo or whatever, you can upload it here and then you have access to it in your library panel to start creating graphics with. If you're on their paid plan, you can share these graphics with everyone that's on your, in your group. Okay. Uh, and then you have the ability to have folders. You can organize things in this way if you want. And then there's some other paid options that if you add, you can add features and things um, within Canvas. All right, so what we want to do is we want to create a graphic that says we have this student ministry retreat. It's at Snowbird. It's at this date, this time, right? That's what we're going to try to do. So the first thing I want to do is I want to go to my elements here, and I want to look at the grids. Okay, close it out. All right, so I'm going to open up these grids. Now, if I were if I were at the office and I were designing this thing, what I would probably do first is pull out my sketchbook and just draw some shapes. Right, I would just draw me a square and kind of how do I want to how do I want to lay this thing out in my head before I start trying to build something. Right, what I can do with Canva is I can play with those things ahead of time and say, well, what if I did it this way or what if it was like this? So we can use some grids. So let's say, for example, we've got this, I've got three pieces of information we want to include, right? This is the uh, beach retreat, and then we wanted to put the date, and we want to put registration. So maybe I find a grid layout that kind of puts that information in a ordered fashion for me. So um, maybe I have something like this, where I would have a cool big graphic over on this side, and all of my text over here, right? That could work. Um, or maybe I were to do something like, um, maybe something like this. It's got a really cool graphic across the bottom, and I can put my text in these panels. Uh, that's a possible option. Um, but you have these layouts that exist for you to play around with, right? Get an idea of what you want to do. All right? I've already done this in my head, so we're going to create one without using a layout. But I need a background. So I'm going to show you a website that I need you to be familiar with because this is a fantastic page. How many of you have a photographer on your church staff to take pictures for you? <laughs> Congratulations. Now, if you, good, praise the Lord. If you don't, you need to check out unsplash.com. Now, there are others. I could pull up a whole bunch of others that are kind of fun and quirky. Um, unsplash.com is a website where people who are really good photographers they go out and they take pictures and then they make them available here royalty free. So you don't have to pay a fee to use them. Um, they ask if you can to at least add an attribute them to whoever took the picture. But these are free photos that you can use for commercial purposes, right? Unsplash. So let's say we're doing our ski retreat. So I'm going to come up here and I'm just going to type in ski. Now I have a whole lot of pictures that I could pull from. So as I'm thinking in my head, if I have my general rule of thumb, is if I'm going to have people on screen, I want those people to be in my church. Right? So I tend, this is me, I tend to not put people on a church graphic that's not people that are in my church. Right? Just... That's just my personal preference. It's the way we kind of set things up at Calvary. It's the way we do things. If somebody's on the screen, you can find them in our church somewhere. So in this particular graphic, I want to find a photo that says ski 
that doesn't necessarily have a person in it. All right, so that's what I'm kind of looking for because that now that would could potentially work because it's going up and down a ski lift, but I don't know who these people are. I can't tell who these people are, so that could work. That could work. Just a nice scenic piece could work. <laughs> it look like something to do. That could work, right? That's an interesting graphic. All right, that's kind of a cool looking thing for a ski trip. So we go, hey, let's use that one. So we're downloading. We click download for free. Now it's telling, hey, if, would you please? It's not required, but hey, maybe let us know that, or let them know for attribution. So we now have our image. Close these guys out so I can pull that back up. All right, so there's that graphic, right? All right, so now I'm gonna go back into Canva. I'm going to go to my uploads and I'm going to drag that photo into my uploads. And I just lost it again. Alright, so now I've uploaded it. I'm going to click it and it's loaded into my screen here. So now I'm going to scale it up. I need to make it fit. Pull down so I can see a little bit. Scale that picture. Now at that size, it kind of doesn't seem like it fits right. It kind of feels weird, doesn't it? Doesn't quite look right because the picture was vertical, but my graphic is horizontal. When I put it in, I kind of go, eh, that doesn't really fit. So that's a good try, but that one doesn't work. So we go back and we go look at skiing again. All right? So that one doesn't work. I like it. It's a cool picture. I might could use it for something else down the road, but that one just doesn't work. So we keep looking, we find something that could work. And in preparing for this, I already grabbed a picture. So I found this picture. It's kind of just a snow picture. All right. Say that again. Outside line, is that what it has to go with? Yes, yes. So you can see, so the outside, that blue line that I have here is the actual size of the image. Come here, scale down. So if you were to, if you double click the graphic, so I double click it and it pops open, now you can see the actual border of the photo. So I can drag the photo around. So I say, I really like this tree, I'd like that tree a little bit more prominent. I can drag, if I don't want the tree prominent, I can kind of scale it back and maybe make it bigger and scale that out, right? So you have the ability to frame that a little bit how you like it, right? So we've got this. But then you're like, mm, I'd like the color to be a little different. Maybe it's a little too blue. Maybe I'd like it to, so it's got some filters. I can come in here and I can pull out some filters or I can make some true adjustments. So we can maybe brighten it up a little bit. Add a little contrast. Maybe pull some, maybe make it really, pull some saturation down. You can add some blur to it, right? Maybe make it soft so that when you put text on top of it, it pops off a little bit better. So, right, so we play around with that. So now I've got a background in here that I've got. I pulled this picture off of, sun, off of sun, Unsplash. I've laid it into place, right? I like it so far. We may end up getting here and go, I don't like that. We need to tweak it some more. But that's what we've got so far. Now I'm going to my text. 
So I'm looking for at least two headlines, possibly three. So I'm going to just look through my text layers here and see if I can find something that gives me a good predefined, already laid out. So that may be that may work. So I have the ski trip. So let's see what that looks like. I'm going to scale that up. Now I can make it left justified. I'm thinking of my grin, right? Left, center, right. I can make it over here, or if I want it right centered. I could simply justify everything to the right, which I kind of think looks a little more interesting over there off of that tree. Slide that over into place. All right, so that's kind of an interesting layout look, right? I've got a hierarchy of things that I need. So let's change the text. So. What is this called? Winter retreat. Winter retreat. There we go. Maybe it's student ministry. Student ministry winter retreat, right? What else do we need? No, right. We want the wear. Snow. S N O W B I R. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters. And then for here, we're going to say visit. Church.com slash retreat. For more information, we want the price on it. What do we think we need? A date. All right. So maybe we don't need the location. Maybe we need the date. Right. I agree with that. So it's December 29th through January 1. Could put 1229 through 11 at Snowbird. I mean, yeah, you could do this. Something like that. You can do it. And then right? Yeah. And then everybody that goes to Snowbird would know that if I do SWO, I know where I'm talking about. Right? So if you're if you if you're a church guy, if your if your youth ministry is gone. And I say it's at SWO, they're like, oh, we're going to Snowbird? Right? So you can abbreviate it that way. If it's common, if it's common, if it's not common, then you can't abbreviate it. But it has to be a common. So you can do that. Student ministry, winter retreat, right? And if you you could play off of that. And or if their hashtag if their handle is SWO Outfitters or SW Outfitters, you could that would play as well, especially if it's for students. That could play. Does that give us the information we need? Cost is important, right? So maybe we need to add $150. Registration, there you go. Register by 12.12, .12, whatever it is. So we've, we, have, we have adhered to some hierarchy. The most important thing is winter retreat. 
Next most important things is the when and the cost. And for all the other pieces of information, the when are we meeting, where are we going, how do all, all that stuff I've got listed, go to the website and you can get that other information. Well, you could, but if this were going on social media, you could link it there. Uh, if it were going on social media, I probably wouldn't even include this. But this is for the this is for the room. I'm in the room. I'm at church. This is what's going to be seen on the screen, right? If it's going on social media, I can remove more information because I could put all of that information in the in the text that I'm typing in, right? So if this were going for social media, I would remove that. I wouldn't need that because I could put a literal link in my description inside of Facebook. And I probably wouldn't even need the dates because I would type that into the Facebook grid. I would probably just say student ministry winter retreat if I'm going for Facebook or Instagram. Keep, in other words, edit, edit, edit. Know where you're going to post it and what are the parameters or where you're going to present it and what are the parameters around how this is going to go. If you're posting it on social media, you can know with absolute certainty that you have plenty of space to write all kinds of information, add a link, people can click and they can go wherever they want to go. And so remove as much information as you absolutely take away as much as you can. One of the rules we always say around at Calvary is remove as much stuff until it breaks and then put something back. Take away as much as I can until it no longer makes sense and then put enough back so that somebody can go, okay, I know what you're talking about. Edit, edit, edit. Because when we do, we, our graphics and the things that we're communicating are much more clear and they're, much more, and they're cleaner. They look better and they communicate better. And when you know if you're on social media and you're fighting the scroll, how do I... How do I stop the scroll? Right? How do I slow them down long enough to at least consume this piece of information? So you have to work tactics on that. Does that does that same apply? Like if, if say say Facebook mm -hmm. Wednesday night apologetics. So do you want to just capture the attention with the picture? Yes. And then the descriptor, what we're going to be studying, the when, the where, and does that need to be in the that comments? can be in the copy. Yeah, so like if it's on Facebook, for example, so let's say, for example, we're going to do, let's say we're going to do an apologetics graphic for Facebook, right? We're going to do a Facebook graphic. So we'll go back to, to here, and we're going to create a social media graphic, which is going to have the correct dimensions, right? So we'll do Instagram posts because it's actually bigger. It's 1,200 by 1,200, right? So we want to do an apologetics Bible study Wednesday night at 6.30. And we know we're going to post it on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, so let's go to Unsplash and let's see if we can find a cool picture. We'll do a search for Bible. Let's see if we can find. Those are some. See anything that kind of jumps out at you? If you see something, tell me to stop. That's kind of a good one. You like that one? That kind of evokes some kind of feeling or whatnot. Alright, so we'll download that one. We're going to put it into our library. We're going to upload it. Alright, so we've popped that into our our space here. How do you know how big to make it? How big to make what? 
All right, so, um, are you talking about in this particular, how do I, okay, okay, so, okay, I got you, okay, so on the screen, you see this white box, this, this box here, that box is the actual box of the graphic, right, that's what's actually going to get output when you download or save it, okay, so your actual photo that you're laying in, it's bigger than that square box, so I'm just trying to get it positioned in a way that kind of is visually aligned in a way that kind of looks interesting. I'm just going for a look, right? And then once I kind of have it, now you see the blue box on the outside? That is the, that box marks the outer edges of the photo. And the part that you can see, this gray bounding box, is the actual graphic size. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so now we've got our picture. So what would we want to put on top, what would we want to say on this graphic if we're trying to talk about our apologetics class that's on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock? I'm going to post this to Instagram and I want people to at least slow down when they see it. What would be a headline or something to put on there? Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. So let's go grab ourselves a graph, uh, some text. What would be good here? Let's do, uh, let's do something bold. Right? Something bold, like that guy there, right? That's bold. But I don't need all the other stuff. I just want sorry, not sorry, right? So if I click it, up here you see this, it says ungroup. I can click ungroup, and now each of these layers are separate. I don't want that one. I don't want that one. I can hot click it and hit the delete key, right? So now I'm going to say sorry, not sorry. I said so, not sorry. <laughs> like so? Sorry, not sorry? So we black doesn't work, right? So let's change the color. So we're going to highlight it with the Command A key, and we're going to pick our colors. Now, the default color palette for Canva are these colors here. Now, if you are a paid member of Canva, you can create your own custom color palettes, and they'll stay with you, all right? But since we don't, we got this, but we can create a color. So I kind of like this sort of orangey-brown color that's in his jacket. So I'm going to see if I can kind of replicate that a little bit. So if I go here to the oranges, kind of get in that maybe orangey color, something like that. Maybe like that. Kind of looks close. And then maybe I put it up here, or do you want to put it right across the middle? What do you think? If you made it white and you made it yes, a single same. line, okay. it tilted it along the Bible edge. So okay, all right, all right. Let's see what that looks like. So we can change the font size. So let's get this all on one line first. All right, so we want to change the font size to something maybe... Line. Yeah, the font's outside line right now, but we're going to bring it in and we're going to rotate it like so. You want to put it right across the Bible, spine of the Bible? Well, I'm a Bible, but shorter, like, so that you can see that it's Holy Bible. So make the I gotcha. Alright, so let's do so like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a little better. Something like that.
Something like that work? You could post that on social. Will that slow you down scrolling maybe? But you get, you get the idea, you can go grab some, a good photo, a good graphic from Unsplash, throw it in, and then you can begin to play out, iterate, and then you can iterate. You can go, I like that one, I don't like that one. Hey, what if we made it a little different? What if we, what if instead of it sitting like so, what if we went with something that had um, sort of like this, right? So it had a different, completely different feel to it. Maybe just pop in that orange and just pop it like super big. Like fill the space in it. Sorry, not sorry. Like just sort of over the top. Like, I don't know, maybe that works. And then if you really want a little drop shadow, you could duplicate the layer and make this one sort of a dark, like a gray, and then you could push it back. Huh? Uh, on the Mac, it's Command-D, but on a Windows, it's probably Control-D. Duplicate. So now you got this little drop shadow kind of effect taking place. And if I really could get to it, let me slide this out of the way. If I can get it. I could come in here make it a little bit lighter maybe go with the yellow I don't know just play around with it see what it looks like so on, on social media you're you're of the opinion just capture the attention capture don't the approach attention. The, the post as a poster where it gets the date where that's correct in. that's correct capture the attention give the details that's correct in the comments or as a, on the link. that's right as a general of thumb what I always want to lean in towards and again rules are meant to be bent or broken right what I always want to lean into is only put as much information in the graphic as is necessary for the audience and the platform in which I'm communicating. In other words, if I'm in the worship center and it's a slide that's sort of rotating around the screen, I need a little bit more information on that graphic because that's, you're, you're seeing it in the context of, the, of your church service or the worship scene, and you need to be able to give people enough information so they know what it is and know where to go to get it. If I'm posting it online through social media or through a blog, the graphic just needs to get my attention. It needs to evoke a response. It needs to evoke some kind of slowing down the scroll or at least a click or something. And in the copy, I can include all of the necessary information. All right, I can hashtag it. I can do all that stuff in the copy. And the graphic can be simpler. Right? If it's going to be, let's say you're creating like a little graphic that's going to go in a bulletin then that graphic may need to have a little bit more information than what's on the screen. The, the goal with the designing is to make sure that what you're designing is thinking about the audience, who is this for, and it's thinking about um, the, the, the uh, delivery mechanism. Like, is this online? Is it social media? Is it, where is this going? And who is it for? And if it's on social media, you've got to stop the scroll. You've got to figure out a graphic or some kind of visual that's going to at least slow people down long enough to read it before they keep going. Okay? So you got to know your audience and know the platform and uh, design accordingly. Yes, ma'am. I'm not real tech savvy. Mm -hmm. So when you say social media, like if I'm saying Facebook page or something, I would have this graphic. I mean, what do they do with the graphic? What, how do they get the information? They click on it and... So on Instagram, for example, well, on both of them, technically, both Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, 
the graphic would go as an upload and then within the copy of the post where you can type information is where all of the information would go. The graphic, in Instagram for example, the graphic is not clickable or linkable at all. And on Facebook, if you click, the, it just pulls the graphic up full size. So where your information is going, it's actually going in the written post. If you're on Twitter, you got 140 something or whatever it is, the number of characters it's limited to. And that's where you would give all the information. Hey, we're doing, and then, yeah, and then, and then your copy needs to be captivating. Like, you need to, when you write the copy for these things, it doesn't just need to be, hey, our student ministry is going to Snowbirds on this date at this time, and this is where we're going, it's how much it costs, it's how to register. I don't, I, I don't, why does that matter to me? The copy of your Instagram or your Facebook or your social media post also matters. It needs to capture the emotion of why this is important. Why is the retreat important? Why is the apologetic class important? Like the copy of the post that you're making that this graphic is going to go into needs to also be captivating. Well, keeping with the theme of the conference, it needs to tell you a story. It needs to tell you a story. Absolutely. It needs to, what, what, we're try, what we try to do is we try to take and craft some kind of emotional connection in the copy that goes with a post. We're not 100% we're not successful. But I tried, we tried to do that because when people are looking through your content, the, the, in the day and world in which we live in now, story is all that matters. That's all that matters. Tell me, why does this apologetics class matter to me? If I'm going to have to decide between spending time with my family or going hanging out with the boys or coming to an apologetics class, why? Right? And if I don't include that, I don't have that thought through and communicated both visually and in copy, you're not going to capture an audience. So would you say when you bake the post, you put mm -hmm. the picture and you put your info, mm -hmm. would you say shorter the better? No. No? Mm -mm. The, one of the things that we're seeing in social media, even in Instagram, is that you can create long posts and people will read it. I always thought it was the other way. It used to be more that way, but it is becoming more and more common for there to be long... Pe Again, story is important. Don't, don't fill up like 17 pages of stuff and it'd be like, no one's going to read that, right? If there's a captivating story behind it, this person came to the apologetics class and their life was changed in this way. And I tell the story of Susie... And when she left the apologetics class and had the opportunity to talk with a co-worker, and she was able to explain this, the, the, the um, eternal security because she came to apologetics. Now that is an interesting story. We've messed up because we've been approaching posts as from a poster perspective. Yeah. Just make the post wherever all the information right. is there. That's right. And they don't have to click on anything, mm -hmm. but that's busy. You're, you're missing it. That's right. Okay. It's not, they're going to, it's it, it, the eye, again, if you remember the, the, the Adobe um, reports, right? If the visuals don't capture me, I'm not going to, I'm just going to pass you right on by because I'm, I have more opportunities to look at things that are interesting and visually appealing than to look at something that doesn't look good. And I'm just going to pass you right on by. And then if I, if I stop, if I get them to pause, I now have to make sure I get the gospel in front of them, or otherwise I've missed an opportunity. And to stay in line with our theme for the... If you don't tell a compelling story, people don't connect to it. It has to have emotion.
People are interested in an emotional connection. And the gospel is the thing that can help with that. And so tell a person's story. If you're doing a class, or you're doing a Bible studies, or you're doing a Sunday school, <coughs> get some people who have had wonderful stories of how this has impacted their life and ask them to tell it to you, write it down, and use a, um, a fictional version of that story in your post. If you have something like this, mm -hmm. and you've got this, say Facebook thing, because I don't know this, mm -hmm. you've got this, you've got their attention, and then in the, what do you call it, the, the, when you write it, the description? Mm -hmm. The post, uh-huh. Okay, do you put, like, just bullets for information, like the snow ski trip, the day of illustration, or do you write sentences? I would start out with a story. Last year, little Johnny, at the retreat, came to know the Lord and accepted Christ and was saved because of the impact that this retreat, blah, 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 had, right? Hey, if you would like to come, bring your friend. They may encounter Jesus as well. Here's the details and the information on how to sign up. At the end. At the end. Like, tell the story. Make it interesting. You have the ability to be communicators. Communicate. And if we're not communicating with verbal and nonverbal well, then we're missing an opportunity, especially in the, this era of communication. And we, are, we, we have to understand that we are storytellers. We are visual storytellers. And the things that we craft, the information that we communicate has to look good or people are not going to give us the time of day. And if they don't give us the time of day, they never get to hear the gospel. An old parallel would be a, a, a store in a mall. Mm -hmm. What they put in the window is not right. everything they have, it's but, enough to, but it's enough to say they have clothes in there that I would like. That is correct. It's, 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 yes, it is an exactly like window shopping. The people that did those windows extremely well, they would stop you in your tracks, and you would turn, and you would look, and be like, oh, I want that, right? That's what you're doing here. Your graphics need to do the same thing. Uh, say you're doing something like this and you put it in your post and you put, and you put a nice story in there and all that could be just at the end of the story say for more information and put a, a, a URL mm -hmm. in there and something and click yeah. on that and go to a web page and find out all the information. Absolutely. I think so. that's something that's worked well with a, a graphic to capture the story but then a link to get additional information and to sign up, they click it and they go to it and it gives them that information. Um, just as a note, here's a, here's a resource for you. This is outside the scope of design, but this is a resource for you. With Instagram, for example, you don't have the ability to add links. You can't like link to things very easily. And you have a bio, which is about the only link you have. There, there are other services. This is one I've used before. It's called Linktree. Linktree connects with your Instagram account. And then you have this link tree slash your church name as your link in your bio. But when you click it, you can add lots of links to link tree. So if somebody clicks the link tree in your bio from Instagram, it'll pull up and you can have a link to your homepage, a link to your events, a link to this, a link to that, a link to that. And so then you can say, hey, if you want to go to this event, the link is in our bio. And when they click the bio link, it'll take them to this link tree where you can have lots of links. That's a, it's a a way to add links to social to Instagram specifically um, without having to change your bio link every time. Yes, ma'am. The graphic that you had yes. would be um, 
Instagram. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so now want to use that same one to put on the shirt, you know, to display in uh, church. Yes. Um, is it transferable like that? So in here, it's not. If you if you have a paid account, you can click this button here. It says resize, and it'll let you magically resize it, right? But the, the, the challenge between your different platforms is the size of the image. So like in your worship service, for example, on your screens, they're probably going to be like 1280 by 720 or 1920, you know, that nice 16 by 9. But most social media graphics are square, right? And so you've got different sizes. And so what you end up having to do is you're having to create a version for social media and a version for this and a version for that. But once you've created one, changing it to a different size is simply a matter of just rep but yeah in, in canva unless you have the paid version you literally have to recreate every one um, in photoshop which is what we use most of the time i have a i have a photoshop with artboards and have this artboard that's got this size and this artboard that's got this size so it's in the same file and then i just drag and drop and i can export it all in one so i have my worship service one and my social media one and my instagram one and it's all I can design it all in one layer or all in one file. But with Canva, you have to kind of recreate every time. That's one of the limits with it. Uh, so in uh, Canva, is it more vector or more graph? Canva is going to be whatever you put in it. So their graphics here, like in these elements that they've got, these are vector, right? So these graphics here are vector. Whatever you put in is going to be dependent upon what you create and what you upload. So like some of the graphics that I've got over here in my uploads, some of these are vector, some of these are raster, right? Playing with it before we got ready to go, I thought, hey, I wonder if we could do in Canva, if we could kind of replicate our, so I kind of replicated, again, it's not exact, but it's similar to the look of the front cover of the, of the thing, right? And all of these elements were in Canva, except for the picture, and I grabbed the picture off of Unsplash, just did a search for typewriter, threw it on here, right? So you can create, and this would be printable. I could come up here and I could say print flyer, and I could have Canva print that for me, and it would show up at my office, have 50 copies or how many I wanted, and it would show up in my office printed. And this is print quality, 300 DPI, high resolution graphic, right? So you can do a lot of great things with Canva to create good design. Pardon? So once you've created something, I'm going to go back to this graphic here. Once you've created something that works, where'd it go? The one we were just working on. There it is. All right, you've got this thing you want. You click this download button here and download it to your computer, and then from there you post it. No. No, it will not. It won't be. It won't have a watermark on it or anything like that. I think I'm out of time, so I will stop. But I will be around if you guys have questions for any length of time to answer any questions that you have. Thank you guys for being with us today, and uh, thank you for coming. First of all.